Hi everyone, it's Tony, and on this episode of The Mouse and More, I'm joined by Liza, Bridget, Mark, and Adam. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey. Hey, hey Tony. Hey. And Mark and Bridget have brought uh, a special guest to today's show, and I'm going to give them the uh, honor of introducing our guest. Go ahead, Mark. I'll let you take it. So we're introducing the illustrious Timothy G. Kane. Tim is a, uh, well, I, Tim, I'm going to let you tell us what you do over there at Disney. You're so lazy. I know, man. I, well, they threw it on me. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. They almost you. As you can tell, I've known Mark for a little while, so we're a little familiar <laughs> with one another. Um, I work, uh, I'm a cast member at Disney's Animal Kingdom, and I am a cast member specifically of the Festival of the Lion King show, uh, where I am a Kiyome, the masculine and strong leader of our group. And I'm happy to join you guys. Okay, we're happy to have you. That's the part with the lion, right? The roar. Uh, the, the the Lion King? Yes, no, there, there's the, a roar. You know how everybody's got a different animal? Oh, I uh, I, I, I lead the elephant section. You're the elephant yeah. section. Okay. Yes. You know, that 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 is the only show that ever stumped me with that giraffe sound. Because I was like, whoa. I really didn't know the first time what a giraffe sound was. And I was kind of mind blown. I think for almost everyone who's never seen the show before, it is a surprise. Um, and even when we were introduced to the script the first time in 98, we were going on the recommendation of one of the Imagineers who actually the animal caretakers. And they're like, yes, that's what it is. <laughs> so we took it for granted. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there is some note somewhere on Wikipedia now that states almost word for word what we say in our show that giraffes make the sound somewhat like a little a baby sheep <laughs> <laughs> which, which i said does a super fan just go into wikipedia and make that edit or you know <laughs> so you're not the only person not to know that uh, co uh coincidentally Every young lady who was asked to be the volunteer to help uh, lead that section, uh, most of them don't know, but you can tell the ringers who show up ready to go, bah! I put the hands in the <laughs> Oh, see. I'm going to be a ringer next time. <laughs> <laughs> and they've never been prouder. <laughs> get into how Tim and you, Mark, know each other first, and then, Tim, if you could, like, tell us a little about your pre-Disney uh, career a little bit? Sure. Sure. Mark, well, Tim you and want to I... talk about our history? Yes. Well, Tim and I met in college, uh, and we were both in the theater program at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. You know, and that's, that's where we met. We were in several shows together. When I, I came into the department as you were coming into the school... Yes. And ended up doing my first show in the department in your first. Uh, no, I think you were already working on Extremities that season. Yes. And then yeah, you, were in, you were ASM in uh, Three Sisters, if I'm Three not sisters. mistaken. That was yes. my first semester in the yes, theater I, department. Wait a minute. Three is, is there any video footage of this? <laughs> <laughs> no, thankfully... That was in an era before everyone had cameras. But <laughs> as I, I 
<laughs> I remind. I'm often reminded that it's that's a, that was a good thing. But uh, yeah, Tim. Yeah, Tim and I uh, got to be good friends. We we hung out a lot. Uh, my 21st birthday, it was Tim that took me up to 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 the bars. <laughs> uh, yeah. So nice. Uh, I don't even think I knew first. that. <laughs> it was Coney Island. Coney Island. Coney Absolutely. Island. Yeah. Uh, I uh, let's see. Yeah, Mark and I uh, became. Yeah, I think the I was so new to the department and I didn't know anyone in the department. And I walked in and I was given a really nice role in a show. And Mark was usually standing on the, one of the side of the stages before I had to make one of my entrances. And I was always freaked out because I hadn't performed in like three years before I walked in and then suddenly, and I had never done a straight play. I'd always done a musical and here I am in the middle of doing Chekhov three sisters in this really <laughs> nice role. And I'm like, I've never done this before in my life. <laughs> and uh, my character, I think in act three has this pretty intense monologue where he's drunk and he's, he's, he's in tears and, you know, emotionally distraught because of all the horrible things that are, not really happening to the three sisters and yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I had to I used Mark as a, as a touchstone before I went out there just to like remind me that it's okay regardless of how well or poorly it goes <laughs> <laughs> Mark was like, that was pretty good man that was really yeah, good yeah. you did a good job well I was <laughs> Yeah, and I pretty much didn't know what was going on either, <laughs> like because I they just, I was just sort of there, like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was. But uh, yeah, we uh, we had some good times, definitely. Got, we were several shows together. Had a good, had a very, some very good times. So that is what the uh, late seventies. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, were, we used to go to the uh, the 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 soda fountain. Uh-huh. Uh, right. I took right. a malt shop. And <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. always Playing a great shop shop on Fridays or Saturday night. Yeah, yep. definitely. Right. Yeah, Fonds would come in if you were lucky. <laughs> right. That was when Mark had enough hair for a ducktail. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a long time ago, indeed. Um, he actually so, had a hair helmet. I did have a hair helmet. Yes, I did okay. have a hair helmet. Yes. Because oh, so, I've always said my my hair doesn't goes long enough. He'll have another one. Yeah, my hair <laughs> never never has gotten long, right? So I've never been able to grow a mullet. My hair just gets high. It's like a bush. No, I mean I never okay. was interested in the mullet. But if I if I was, I could never grow one. It oh, would just get higher and higher. Do you? Yeah. It couldn't. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's like a bush. It's, it's so kinda... bad. Part. <laughs> getting worse for you every minute. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so, so Tim, that brings us to uh, to college. Uh, you mentioned that you were in the original Lion King cast back in '98. Uh, yes. What what did you do in the intervening years? Were there uh, many years between '98 and the end of your college experience? Uh, yes, there were. Uh, there were about. Well, it must have been five, five, seven. Somewhere in five to seven years, um, I did mostly touring children's theater uh, in the Northeast Corridor. I worked with a group called Theater Four out of uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, a really large touring theater out of a excuse me a white cargo van, and we'd show up at an elementary school and perform in a cafetorium usually. <laughs> and we'd unload our set and put it together, and 
do the show and break it down and head back home. Or if we had another school, we'd go to that school and do it again. Uh, let's see. I also did a couple summer theater uh, jobs in the in that interim. Uh, let's see. I probably worked in Rome, New York, and uh, uh, probably Auburn by then. In fact, I think. Yeah, and I and I and I worked in Auburn, New York, at Merry Go Round Playhouse. And I mentioned them because everybody works there. Every really talented person works there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why Mark has never stepped foot in there. Exactly. Well, that's right. <laughs> Mark could have been. Mark. Mark could have been there. There was a there was a heavy IUP presence yeah. presence there uh, for many years. I think I was working in. Uh, I was doing a a. a uh, a production of Godspell in Tidewater, Virginia, and a friend of a friend came to uh, came to a baby shower and said, "Look, uh, I know that you're a performer, and I'm not sure if you've heard, but Disney is putting together a live Lion King show." And I'm like, "Wait, like the whole movie?" Because at the time, only the movie existed. And right. she said, "No, no, no, no." It's just like a half hour verse. It's just mostly the, the music. And I said, oh, that's great. I'm sure it'll be wonderful. I had never at this point been to Disney uh, in any as a guest at all. And my experience up until that point, uh, as far as auditioning for Disney, had been mostly by word of mouth. And at that point, this is 1997, there really wasn't a place for most people of color in performance at Disney World because there just weren't shows where they felt comfortable in either cross-cultural casting or roles that were written at that time that they felt comfortable enough to cast a person of color in. So there really wasn't a space. If you were an African-American, you happened to be really talented and Disney wanted to use you, you were probably a dancer. And it wasn't until this show came along. So I didn't even want to audition. I was like, that just sounds like it's going to be a waste of my time. <laughs> I was living in Philly. I would have to go to New York. We'd run around all the city trying to find this audition, do it, go home. Like, all that was just expenses to me. But my friend is such a sweetheart that she caught me late in the evening's festivities after I'd had a few beverages. <laughs> and I was singing something from The Lion King. And she recorded and said, okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to give this to the casting director unless you just show up. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I, I went, I met a man named Russ Jordan. And, and Russ Jordan is the man who cast our original company. And I think from all the equity performers through all the character performers. And he did such an incredible job that that is part of the reason why this show is still in existence. Uh, Russ passed a few years ago, but he introduced the world. He helped the world discover a, a lot of talent. Um, and not just from out of that first show, but the results of this show being in existence all this time. But I did my audition and Russ is very, he blushed at everything. He was a very, very pale man with very pink skin. And the second he heard something that he liked, he turned bright red and he ran across the table after. It's like, hey, hey, we're going to have something for you. I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be, but we're going to have something for you. We're working on two shows. And I said, oh, great. And by the time I got home that afternoon, he had an, I had an offer for Festival of the Lion King. 
the other show he was working on, of course, was uh, <laughs> the Jungle Book <laughs> show. Oh. <at> the <laughs> <laughs> I'm very thankful I did yeah. not get past this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because <laughs> that did that even last that long? That did not last the full year of our contract. Uh, okay. They had taken it down by the end of our one year contract, which is when I left. And as I was leaving, they had <laughs> essentially lifted a whole bunch of singers from Festival of the Lion King, including Philip Lawrence and Montego Glover, sorry, Tony uh, Award nominee, Montego Glover, uh, and oh, moved wow. them to Tarzan Rocks, uh, which then oh. became the next show in that space. Mm-hmm. And they were with it for a while, and I believe shortly, well, a few years after that is when uh, Nemo eventually swam to the surface uh, and ended up there. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah, because you were the, you were ninety. I was down there in ninety eight. So we were actually there, same time. Did, did you come there for the previews? Did I ask you this? No, I was because I didn't start my my program until June. Villanova didn't think very highly of the college program for credits, <laughs> so I had to do mine in the summer. Ah, uh, yes. Probably one of the things I remember the most about the the when we first when we were rehearsing. And the park is completely empty. We we literally there were, the building was there. There were seats. I mean the the benches were in the space. But as you remember, the the space is wide open, and we could see Camp Mini Mickey, but we could see almost all the way up to Africa because there re, there were no trees <laughs> between uh, those two spaces. So we were in rehearsal and we're watching cranes lower trees into plant and what became Camp Mini Mickey. <laughs> All of that was happening, being built up as we were in there rehearsing. And it's the the strangest thing. I don't think anybody, even folks who worked there, realized what it was like to open a brand new park for Disney. And it was it was an incredible time. And we all became very close. Uh, and it was fantastic. And that's why I ended up coming back. I had fond memories. Right, so so let me ask you a question. You mentioned Camp, Camp Mini Mickey, which was the original location of the uh, theater. Camp Mini Mickey was originally the spot for Beastly Kingdom, which was the section of the uh, Animal Kingdom that did not get built. So was yeah. Camp Mini Mickey, as well as the Festival of the Lion King, kind of thrown together uh, on short notice? Uh, we'll call it uh, sudden inspiration, not so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but you're right. It was supposed to be Beast of the Kingdom. In fact, if you look at, I don't know if it's still on uh, the uh, the Animal Kingdom, the visual for uh, the, the, the logo. logo. The, yeah, yeah. It's the animals in marching and the Beast of the Kingdom was supposed to be, was represented by a dragon. I don't know if they still even use that, but that's on all the opening stuff because it was, that was the intent that that was, the, that was what that area was supposed to be. I don't remember. I I wasn't here already. I I, I came to start the show, so I don't re- know exactly when they realized that Beastly Kingdom wasn't going to be ready. Uh, but Camp Mini Mickey was absolutely a replacement, uh, and I think there may have been a pre-existing idea. Uh, and Reed Jones helped turn what they thought was going to be a little bit of entertainment for people who are waiting in preparation to visit the characters 
uh, in Camp Mini Mickey. And I don't think they expected that show to become something. I mean, we were told that the expectation is that it was going to close within two or three years. Oh, wow. And they were, I think we were all convinced that that was it. So that's why at the end of my one year, I was like, well, y'all not going to kick me out. <laughs> I left. That's <laughs> for 20 some odd years later. <laughs> yeah, they were uh, within the first year, uh, they realized that they had something special uh, with not just the uh, the the wide variety of entertainment offered in within the context of this one show. I mean, at the time, you know, most people didn't have any experience with anything like Cirque du Soleil and like you know the acts that we have as a centerpiece to our show. Um, they were brand new for Disney property. Yes, the uh, there were some stunt acts, including Epic, but the Indiana Jones stunt show, but nothing to the extent of the Tumble Monkeys or the, the Fire Knife Act or the Ariel, the Birds and, and the Ariel Act. So all of that just brought this new energy, which we had no idea was going to be so well received until we started doing our cast previews, which is why I asked you, Bridget, about that. The cast previews is what told us and everybody else what we had. It, okay. It's like once we opened, we never had an empty show. Like that was it. That was the only time we didn't really have full houses. And then it became even more of a challenge because once we opened, the recognition for special events was, my God, we want the woman who sings Circle of Life to do a, a number at this special event. Well, she's got shows to do today. Yeah. <laughs> so then it became a challenge of finding enough people so that you could do as many shows as you want. And we, I think we started off with five. And there are times, I think, where this show is done 10 times in the course of a day. So to give you just an idea of how their image of what this thing could possibly be expanded beyond anybody's expectation. Tim, I, my first trip was 2000, like March. And I, re I was young, but I remember that the, o the sides of the building were open. You could see out. Because I remember we didn't even have a seat. We just showed up. We didn't know what it was. And then, yeah. I, is that true? Or am I remembering something that I don't remember? You're absolutely correct. They enclosed it before I left. So it happened within the first year. One of the, yeah, so there's, one of the more incredible things is that when I came back, I had not been back to Disney since I left in 99 until I came back to work again in 2014. And finally, after, I think it was about a week's worth of rehearsal, they brought me into the space of the new theater. And had I, if I had not known exactly where the old theater was and the environment around the old theater, I would not have realized that they had just brought me in the front door of the new theater. The design was identical. It looked almost exact. It felt the same, it's slightly larger. But if you know where the audio booth is, on either side was wide open. Uh, and, and if you were in the exit area, yes, you could stand there and essentially watch the show from back from out outside the theater. Or if you were in queue, which we always thought was weird, is that the people in queue for the next show, because that started almost immediately because we were full. 
So uh, the next audience, more than half the next audience, knew what sound the baby giraffe made <laughs> because <laughs> they had watched the previous show. <laughs> so uh, with uh, the walls also came an expansion, so they added more seats as well. Uh, and yeah, we were we were thrilled. And one of the biggest bonuses for that was for us was we got a chance to finally see the lights and for the audience to understand how beautiful the lights were in connection with our costumes and the movement. Until that point, it's bright and right, sunny. Right. Yeah. You can't see any of that. The only right. time we ever saw it was a night nighttime rehearsal and everybody went, oh my God, this is gorgeous. One of my favorite <laughs> photos of me from that time period is, what, is a nighttime rehearsal. And I went, this is what the show really looks like. This is what I would tell people. And now you get a chance to see it the way it, it was designed and intended more. I'm cool. glad that they closed it in. Yes. Now, it, now was he... a, it, was, it was definitely added, and, and it also made it a little more comfortable because it was unbearably hot. This is Central Florida. Uh, all of us are wearing an astounding amount of costumes. I think I wear close to 30 pounds of costumes. Wow. Uh, and, uh, it's, 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 you know, I, I don't know that I would have had this blessing of this show if I had known that I was going to be performing outside in 30,000. Oh, yeah. Your costume. Yes. Yeah, your costume seems to be the biggest one, the most elaborate one. It just it feels like it is to me. It, it's a lot. Um, and I, I, get to, I get to work in close proximity to the flash uh, point for the uh, for the pyrotechnics and the fire knife action, and believe it or not, yes, you can feel that. And when you're already sweating, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're that big headpiece and everything else. Oh my god! Oh yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I, uh, I have to stay hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> So yeah. as as you're a, a member of the original cast, um, if you are like me and you actually have a copy of the Festival of the Lion King CD, are you on the CD? So you actually have a copy of that? I do. I do. Isn't that sad? That's that's my first that's my first record album that dropped. <laughs> that's awesome. We have a copy of it too. Yeah, we have a copy. <laughs> So See? if you get if you get any royalties uh, to this day, we can let people know it's available on Amazon. You can let people know it's available on Amazon, but no, I, I get nothing. I have right. nothing but the honor and privilege of being the person who gets to represent uh, Kiyume's in the wonderful show that is Festival of the Lion King. It, it, it's it, it's fantastic that it exists. I love that it's out there, and for so you know the. Uh, other vocalists on that are Holly Whitaker, who is our Zawadi. Uh, Holly, I believe, is in Memphis or Nashville. Like she's a singer. She's I think she does session work and stuff out there. Um, uh, I mentioned Montego Glover, uh, Tony. Sorry, Tony Award nominee Montego Glover for Memphis, uh, and Philip Lawrence is our Nakawa and. You may not know the name, but if you've ever seen Bruno Mars perform in any venue, there is a man standing to his right with glasses on and probably usually a hat, and that's Philip. Philip writes all of Bruno Mars' songs. Wow. 
That's so it, it would, I look at that group and I, I consider myself truly like I, I'm, I'm an actor. I happen to sing a little bit. Those guys are like just ridiculous vocalists. And this show has, has provided an opportunity for some incredible vocalists to come in and, and, you know, bless the, bless the masses with their talent. And I think we're all just pretty happy to have a, have a space, you know, but, but yeah, talent. Lots of talent up in that place. Oh, big time. <laughs> I was getting wine in my Lion King glass. Nice. <laughs> my my circle of flavors Harambe Nights wine glass. Oh. Did you guys do that too? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, so when I was down in, I was just down in March, Tim. Tim um, yeah, without for, um, me, Tim. She went without me. <laughs> But I'm not bitter about that. At and all. I was, I if they had been so busy, I would have like hit you up and said, hey, let's go grab a drink. But we were like busy the entire time. And we did, they took us on um, the Circle of Flavors in Harambe. And it was uh-huh. quite fun. And we got a complimentary wine glass with it. So, I mean, my night was made. <laughs> well, I did have a question. So do you have any memories of all the times you performed? Does anything stand out to you like in the crowd or special kids or something that you did for all of us i'm going to speak for me but i I think that what most impacted me earliest was our working with the make-a-wish foundation or give kids the world i think that what we do is 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 awesome and i am so thankful and it's also it serves an important place in our society, but it's also pretty frivolous. And when we get a chance to do something um, to be a little bit of a respite, uh, um, a moment for people to not think about everything else, um, we love that. And specifically with kids, uh, there's something just very real, raw, and factual about the way kids enjoy our show. And I think one of the special treats for all of us is that we can see our audience. Um, even if you're a person who is nervous in front of an audience, there's something incredibly empowering about seeing the wonder. We see, I actually see wonder on the faces of children and adults. It, it, it never ceases to me, amaze me when I see grown men, old enough to be my father, sitting there with their jaw dropped open, watching our fire act or the aerialist or, you know, just one of the stilt walkers, you know because they too are astounding and incredible what they do on those stilts. And I think that that's one of the things that, that will always stick with me. Um, those, those moments. Yeah. One of my best Disney memories that I've ever had was when my daughters were pulled out to go walk around at the end. And I've got a great video of one of them just really getting into the show big time. Yeah, And it was so fun, but and all everybody was so engaging with them and interacting with them and uh i love that part of the about the show because it it does give it kids a chance to interact with the people too it's really nice because it's a theater in the round for you is that like is it harder to perform at a theater in the round do you think or do you prefer having the stage up front and the audience in front of you i think if i was doing a regular musical i think it would be more of a challenge. I think the fact that it's only a half hour, mm-hmm. um, I think the fact that it's high energy, so we're not doing anything. If I was supposed to be making, creating moments, like big dramatic moments, and I had to be aware of be, having people, having my back to an audience member, 
that would stress me out and, and mm-hmm. like you, it, it changes the way you perform uh but honestly the last show mark and i did in college prepared me the best for this show we did a show called time of your life uh and we and it was performed in a black box theater in an alley formation so you have audience members on either side on of the room so you're always in a perpetual state of movement so you're mm-hmm. not locking out you know the audience member from seeing you or another performer and it was just amazing that even that experience for that little bit of a run was enough to prepare me to understand and i've watched performers in the rehearsal process have to discover how to perform in their round it is a skill yeah um uh, but you learn it the best learn it quick excuse me quickly <laughs> <laughs> but i think yeah. one of the things they, they they sort of give you this the skill set you need to go out there and do the gig and but there's really no way to know what that feels like until you're actually out there the adrenaline that happens like there is no amount of rehearsals and i and i love working uh the put in rehearsals when we're getting new performers but when you get an audience in there it's a completely different energy and the natural instinct of every performer is to sell out hard for everything that you're doing regardless of what element of performance that you're doing and it's easier to do that when you know somebody's watching and it's right. not just like oh these are my friends and we're all just running and learning how to do this no you know i want that person to think i'm awesome well yes. <laughs> <laughs> we do <laughs> exactly. so then you only will rehearse when you have new performers come in uh we have brush ups and like everyone's in all likelihood when we reopen there will likely be a series of rehearsals and preparation to get people back together uh but like uh, like i said i've been out of the show full time for 2 years um but i go to i let i like to be scheduled for rehearsals now especially because i don't work a full full time so you know cuma is a role i say a lot uh, like like 3 quarters of what's said in the pre show is cuma <laughs> you know he's yeah. on stage for most of the time that that uh, there's something happening on stage and it's better i feel like the best way for me to get back up to speed is to do it so i like to hit a rehearsal or two but if i know i'm going to be scheduled to work and i kind of feel like it helps It ain't perfect, but it helps. <laughs> well, what times do you guys have the rehearsal? Like because the parks open so early and so late. I mean, are you guys doing it like a midnight or like 4 in the morning? I think well, most uh, I would say most of them start not too long after we've done our last show. Um there are things that we can do in our theater that won't inter- that won't disturb what anything going on in Harambe Village. while they're still open and then when they eventually close the parks uh we have full reign to you know get loud and and honorary if we need to uh do you guys get to run around the park it's it's not a good idea ah, <laughs> it's like a dream you know just to go and have fun nobody's around there are lots there are lots of people working getting the park ready for our guests for the next day so yeah. we don't want to be in there Do you have a favorite part of the show that you're in or and or or a favorite part of the show in general? I was going to ask that qu- question too. Thanks, Mark. Good job, Mark. <laughs> 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 What happens? Uh 
favorite part of this show. Yeah, I'll say probably my favorite sequence in the show leads to my favorite part of the show. My favorite part of the show is the transitions between uh, the monkey act into be prepared and then the transition from be prepared into can you feel the love tonight and then the transition from can you feel the love tonight into the circle of life and then if we've done our job right when you hear that big boom at the end of circle of life like everybody's in tears and everybody's like oh yeah we're having a great time regardless (laughs) of what they've been through in the parks to that point and there are days, man, where it's emotional, like singing that song. Mm-hmm. You know, I lost my dad a few years ago. And when I first came back, I, you know, I, I knew intellectually that just singing, hearing the words is going to be challenged. I don't really have many of the lyrics to <laughs> <That's laughs> real lyrics. I'm singing a lot of Inguinamas, you know, but, but <laughs> And 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 emoting, you know, in performance made me connect in a way that is so was so raw, and it makes me it made me appreciate even more the fact that every single day we perform that show, I see someone in tears, or I see someone holding their kid a little closer, or grabbing the hand of their partner. Or like something of that nature, and it it is just a reminder that the yes, it's a theme park show, but it means something to a lot of people because of what it comes from the the Lion King story and the songs and the and that movie is a integral part of a lot of people's childhood adulthood. I saw it as an adult, a young man, but an adult right. in an audience full of parents and their kids. I was literally a single man, <laughs> went to see a Saturday matinee <laughs> of The Lion King, and I was in tears with everyone else. And I was not expecting that. And, and I think that there is something magical to that. And I think that everyone goes through different points in their life. The circle of life, that that is inherent in that story. And because we're all going through it at some point, you know, it touches you in a different way depending on where you are in your life. So I don't even know if I that agree. Question, but I wanted to yeah. say that. I'll, I'll it's, it, I'll I mean, it it's, <laughs> it's my favorite movie. It's, it's hands yeah. down my favorite Disney movie. And then Mark and I have seen Lion King on Broadway twice. Yeah. First time. I, I was when I, I we not see that, but I, I, I hear it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. what? Oh, you have to the see next it. time you're in town, we're going to New York and we're gonna go see it. Okay. <laughs> but, we had, but yeah, we went when Mark proposed, he took me to New York and that's what we saw was the Lion Aww. King. Yeah. Good job, that's Mark. So did it work, <laughs> Mark? Mark, did it work? So that was when I was still, you know, making it look like I was in, gainfully employed. And <laughs> so bad. Yeah, I had much game back in the day. You knew how to do it. Yeah, you had fluffy hair. Fluffy hair. <laughs> Couldn't grow a mullet. That's a plus. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, so I have like a just a random question. So if you were there when they're, you know, putting Animal Kingdom together, did you get to meet Joe Rody? I have. I don't know that he would know me out of a crowd, but I have. Um so cool. That was one of the 
the coolest thing is like, uh, yeah, being there in the beginning really gave us an opportunity to have access to a whole bunch of folks and circumstances that I, I think we didn't value as much in the moment just because we were like, oh, this is so cool. And excuse me for much of most of the performers who came to open that show weren't inherent to Disney at the time. So we were all being introduced to Disney at the, uh, at that as a new beginning for all of us. Um, so I didn't know you don't see Joe Rody all the time. <laughs> I did when our first couple of months when we, when we opened, I saw him all the time. So he knew us by sight. We knew him by sight. He had come by, he had to come through our space often while we were working. So that was something that I didn't, even realized was a big deal until I came back mm -hmm. and I saw him and I waved and I said, Hey Joe, and he waved back and somebody goes, looked at me as if to say, does he know you? And I go, no, I don't even remember his name. They're like, Oh my God. That's, I said, I just recognized him from when I was here last. They're like, Oh my God. That's and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone's like, oh my god. <laughs> I don't know that he would recognize me, you know. Uh, or, right. But I think he, he he responded because I waved. Um, but we got a chance to, you know, do the safari uh, before everyone uh, else got a chance to go on the safari. Uh, you shouldn't uh, feel like you were deprived of anything. We didn't see any animals. We were really concerned. It was like two weeks before we opened. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> we were literally going, hey, y'all, we better be good. For all we know, the animals in our show are the only animals these people are going to see. So y'all better be good. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, we got a chance. We had a friend who worked in the engineer, uh, in, who worked in Imagineering on uh, the dinosaur project, uh, or I don't even know what they call it now. Is it dinosaur? It's dinosaur, dinosaur. the ride. Yeah. Ride, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, the attraction. I, yeah. I don't like that, that ride. <laughs> well, when it first when it first opened, it was of course one of the most popular rides, and it was the there weren't many like it on property at the time. So there was always a really long line, unless you happen to know one of the Imagineers who would walk you in. <laughs> <laughs> so every once in a while, there, there, were, there were treats like that. Uh, nice. But I, as I said, most of us were new to Disney, so I don't think we realized how cool that was to get that beginning. Oh, Michael Eisner came and sh sat in multiple rehearsals uh for the singers like we were like it was like us learning the show and michael eisner is there with a slew of shirts and ties folks and yeah after... that's no pressure no pressure at right. oh my gosh I was freaking out. first of all that we knew who he was was a big deal and that so that sunk in but then when he showed up again ooh, that's when i started getting i said to the I said to our, our uh, person teaching us our music, I was like, so is this normal? He goes, no. I go, well, why, why do you think they're here? And he looks at me and he goes, why do you think they're here? And, and I mean, let's uh, to be 
to, to get a little inside baseball, I'm not sure they thought this was going to work. They clearly hadn't had a place for people of color before. And I think that there was absolutely they wanted to make sure that this was doable. And now, see, I, I would argue with you on that point, Tim, because uh, Eisner is the reason that Disney got involved in Broadway, because when he was a child growing up, apparently his grandparents brought him to a lot of Broadway plays. So he's used to the performing arts. Um, maybe, uh, you know, maybe he was there because he saw the potential and he knew what you guys had and he just wanted to soak it all in. I believe that is a part of this as well. I don't believe he was the issue. Um as as evidenced by the fact that anything we needed, we got. Uh, a perfect example is the first time he came to us, after we had already opened and started the past previews, uh, he came to see our show and he gave a handful of notes to our director and the very next day we had a new cast member. Like literally the very next day, they casted our, our hyenas because until that point there was a I, I don't even know how to call what to call it. It was a, a duet, a, a dancing duet between Kiyume and Moto, the fire bird, the male bird, mm. uh, where the he was essentially the bird was essentially a puppet and Kiyume was the puppet master. So with his jingle stick, he was essentially guiding the choreography of the male Moto, which was his dance solo. It felt awkward what is heck to do <laughs> i'm so glad they changed it <laughs> and my father's <laughs> note was hey fire have you have you thought about bringing in a fire act why don't you see if they and literally they they went to the polynesian luau <laughs> and brought over wayne and wayne put together wayne's one of our original uh hyenas and he and he was the mentor for all of these guys now he's uncle wayne to every single one of these fire guys since then um, and they, they came up with the essential choreography that it lives to this day, but that happened essentially in 24 hours. I never realized that the fire twirler was a hyena. I, I thought it was like meant to be like a wildebeest or something. Cause it has horns on its headpiece, but maybe I didn't recognize what that was. Well, I, yeah, it's a hyena. He, uh, I, he's not named. Uh, and the design is, of course, stylistic, but it's meant to go along with the Be Prepared number, which features the hyenas and Scar. So yeah, now that you say that, that makes sense. Aha <laughs> <laughs> moment. Yeah. <laughs> no worry. Like, literally, this show, I, I say to people all the time that you can really watch this show 50, 100 times and find something new every single time. And there are tracks in the show that I don't really interact with in the course of my 30 minutes. And every once in a while I come off stage, I'm like, oh, wait, you're out there with me. I didn't know you were in the show with me <laughs> because there is so much happening. Uh, here's a funny story. I, I've always thought that we were invisible out there, that essentially it was our costumes. <laughs> like that's all people are really seeing, you know? And like no kid really sees us, they're seeing all these gorgeous costumes and the dancing and the lights and this, you know, all that stuff and the fireworks. That was really my impression of what I thought was the general reception of our show. And I was uh, a few years after I left, I think I'm going to say it was like five or six years later, I was in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, doing a show at Heritage Rep Theater there. 
and I was uh, on my day off. I went to see uh, a show that the, the other show that was running at the same time. And I'm waiting in line for us to all go in. And in front of me is an older man and a kid who looks to be like his grandchild. And the kid keeps turning around and looking at me. And I was like, oh, he's never seen a black guy before. No problem. Hey, kid, how are you? I smile and I wave. You know, this is Virginia and it's in the 90s. Believe me, this is possible. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and it wasn't it, it wasn't like he was in it. He wasn't uh, it wasn't weird. It was just he was like curious, clearly curious. So I thought, oh, that's what this is. And he started whispering, he pulled his, he pulled his, uh, his grandfather's sleeve and he's like, wants to tell him something obvious. He starts whispering. I'm like, well, clearly now this is about me. And I'm starting to feel a little like, wait, you're going to whisper about me? And I'm standing right here. <laughs> and then finally, grandpa turns around and he goes, excuse me, sir, I am sorry, um, but my grandson swears he saw you in the Lion King show at Disney's Animal Kingdom. That's so crazy. Yeah. And I, my jaw just dropped. I'm like I, I did that show. He goes, yeah, he recognized you, and it is astounding to me because he said yeah. he hadn't seen the show in about three years, but he remembered you. But you got the best and, part. I'm yeah, sorry. I love your part. I, my favorite one. I, I again, I am very honored to be in that show and in that role, but still. That's a whole lot of RuPaul happening in that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you bring it down a little deeper for that young man and say, yes, I am masculine and strong? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Come on, man. There's, 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 it, there's very few things greater than being recognized for positively for something that you did a long time ago. Um, and that really, and at the time it had been a few years since I had done the, since I had done that show. And I was, thrilled. I was like, oh, it's probably part of the reason why I came back, because it made such an impact on him. That moment was special to him. And I said, wow, I've not. And I and at the time, I had already started doing work in New York. And I'm like, I'm doing a lot of important, deep, you know, artistically challenging work here in New York. I'm doing oh, this really great. Stuff. I'm, I'm doing off, 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 off Broadway work, man. <laughs> 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 and <laughs> there I was during the theme park show, actually making people happy, and 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 that was awesome too. And I I needed to re re to remind myself that not everything needed to be extra deep and serious. Um, it can be fun too. And yeah. so I decided to come back for some more fun. That's what I was going to ask. So in the interim, what were you just hanging out in New York and then just doing like some off Broadway shows? And then how did you? circle on back down to florida well new york is a little too expensive to be just hanging out um but i did Agreed. manage some work while i was there um i was in the 2000 revival the year 2000 revival of godspell off broadway oh, cool. um and that gave me an opportunity to start to to let you know as a as a performer it let the city know that i you know hey there's this guy who sings and he's in town and I've got other skills. Um, pretty much for me, the that led to me doing a lot of commercial work. Uh, and that's what my New York experience was primarily, a lot of commercial work. When I wasn't doing commercial work, which really doesn't take up a day, you know, like commercial work, you're on it for a day. There's a whole lot of other days in a year. 
Um, I was really fortunate to get involved with an uh, organization called the 52nd Street Project uh, that professional artists get to work with kids who grow up in Hell's Kitchen, surrounded by all that incredible theater, and get an actual theater education from starting with writing their own play. They take That's a class cool. on playwriting uh, that is performed by two of New York's finest performers. Uh, and the kid gets to be on stage while th these adults are performing their show uh, that they wrote. That's and it's really pretty cool. awesome. Wow, that's cool. It develops where they get a chance to take acting classes and a play is written for them to perform with another, uh, with a New York actor. And then uh, an opportunity for them once they're further along in the program to start performing themselves. But the best part about this organization, which has a lot of really dedicated volunteers, um, is that they're not trying to train these kids to be young artists. They're not teaching them to be performers. This isn't that kind. It's not an arts camp. Um, their, their goal is just to give these kids an opportunity to be successful. And everything about that program is designed just to support them. And at the end of this, it's about them. And I, I, I've absolutely loved it. And the, and the, and then the concept, the, the benefit to me was that it helped keep me focused about why I went into this because the industry is rough and can be challenging and can be uh, disappointing at times. But going in where you know you're going to share that thing that made you love that thing that you do with someone who it's new to is incredible. And mm -hmm. that's been a blessing. So I got a chance to do a little bit of everything in New York. And I, I am the master of none of the things, <laughs> jack of all trades, you know? Um, I, I did a lot of voiceover work. Uh, I got to do a movie. <laughs> um, I, toured, uh, uh, I toured with Patty uh, Austin. I toured with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra for many years. Awesome. Um, I, I performed in uh, Carnegie Hall. I performed in Lincoln Center. I performed at the Beacon Theater. I, I, I was really blessed to get a chance to do a, such a wide variety of things. And around the time they were preparing to open the new space in Orlando at uh, Animal Kingdom for the Lion King show, I was in a place where I'm, I kind of feel like I was between types. And, you know, the industry had, had just come off of a, uh, the writer's strike and, and so many other things that it had repercussions. And I was trying to figure out where, well, where do I fit now? Uh, as it's trying to figure itself out, I need a, a good check. Oh, do y'all have a space for me? And, and uh, so I sent a, a video to our casting person. And she was like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you forever. You sound great. Come on back. It's and I like came back. Score. <laughs> it's like a jumbo. That's oh. awesome. And just in time for, you know, I, me getting Mark into going down to Disney yeah. and bringing the kids. So we had the opportunity to see you. That's always awesome. I, I, I always feel like it's got to be strange for people to see me do something like that. If you've known me, not because I'm not like Disney material or anything like that. I smile. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I think that Disney is there's such an aura and, and magic around it and everything around it. And when you see somebody that you know that's connected to it, it's got to be odd, you know? Oh, Mark was like a kid in a candy store. He was so oh, excited. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I was. It was so cool to see you 
perform again because it's been you know it was you know just sort of brought me back not that i was involved but it, was, it just brought me back it was nice did i get any better of course tim were all those years just wasted was i just spinning no, the wheels you peaked at iup man <laughs> <laughs> like all the things I, I i burned out early <laughs> <laughs> Like a good rock and roll artist. <laughs> right, right. Right. Tim, what's a, what's a typical day when you're performing? What's what's a typical day look like for you? How many shows are you doing? How many do you get a break? Like, how's it all work? So when I when I'm scheduled, first of all, I prefer working afternoon sh- shifts. My voice is there's I got a I got a certain number of notes. <laughs> I got a note count. And I yeah. know that there's a certain number of notes that I can sing in a day. So me warming up for two hours before I go out there isn't really helping me. It's only tiring me out for the end of the day. It takes more energy because of the the range of my voice I feel to hit the notes that I have to hit. It's not harder. Lord help me. I don't have to sing Zawadi's mega mix, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I ain't doing that. <laughs> but it is a challenge and because we speak a lot in a lot of ways speaking right. is harder on your vocal cords than singing so i prefer the afternoon so what i usually do is i i wake up uh i let my body wake me myself because i'm a night person so it may be two or three o'clock before i sleep and when i finally settle down i let myself wake up uh i get my i start hydrating uh, i start you know I, I get my morning caffeine get my jolt and <laughs> I generally let my day warm me up unless it's one of those deals where I have to work in the morning, in which case I probably warm up on my car <laughs> on the way. <laughs> um, I also like to get there early because I also feel like me greeting everyone in the morning, saying good morning and having, you know, the morning hugs and stuff. Yeah. Remember hugs? I know. Yeah. I was going to say hugs. Wow. Yes. Alien, alien language we're going to be speaking. So all that was was awesome to getting myself ready so that by the time the fanfare starts off at 10, I'm together, I'm focused, I'm alert, I'm ready to go, I'm energized. So for me, that's what my day typically is. Generally, and this is one one of those hazy areas, generally it's where three or four shows is generally what each performer will do. There are days where they're asked to do more, and there are days where it may be slightly less. But yeah, that's okay. that's the general general area. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I always wondered about that because it seems like so many shows back to back for you know performers to want to do, and I guess they've got a bunch of tumble monkeys. <laughs> they must have a bunch of them hopping around back there. You can never have too many tumble monkeys. I mean, it, it, I, don't know. I think you might be able to have too many. I just, Tony might not agree because Tony loves the tumble monkeys. Yeah. I do. He does. <laughs> they make me nervous. The, the tumble monkeys were an instant fave, uh, especially as part of the reason why I asked you, Bridget, if you had seen the preview, uh, the cast preview, because they didn't have costumes for the tumble monkeys, so they were actually performing in singlets. Like, oh, performance, yeah. And let's just say they make a lot of fans very early. (laughs) (laughs) I bet they did. Way too much energy. It's just like, whoa. 
it's a lot but it one of the one of the things i think is really awesome and that's what i think is really special about this show is that there are so many different dis, uh disciplines and you know mark will tell you when, when you're in a cast like mark you you were involved in uh, a little night music right yes i well, i was i was crew i was crew you're, but i was i was so yeah, i was involved you had a great view of watching that there's a way of behavior for actors and there's also a different way in behavior for singers. Yeah. And then when they interact with one another, you'll find people who kind of can do it, you know, their preparation, like singers are extremely protective of their vocal cords. They're always conscious of air conditioning. They're always right. hydrated. Actors are probably out in the stoop smoking, you know, or... <laughs> <laughs> Are probably just it's, barely waking, waking up for the rehearsal. You know, they're hungover. <laughs> it's, it's complete. They're different disciplines. This, it's and to a, it was incredible with our show watching our gymnasts who have no performance experience whatsoever except for the things that they do when in competition. And yes, it's a performance for an audience, but no, it's really for the judges, and it's about very precise movements that they have to execute, you know, for, for scores and to ask them to artistically embellish and fill in the blanks for choreography is a challenge yeah. and yeah. them to interact with it, excuse me, with an audience is a challenge for a lot of these guys, but it's awesome watching some of these guys grow into it and find joy in that part of what this job is. And not, not just the, the, the elements, the gymnastic elements, you know, right, and right, that's right. one of the, this, this show requires so many different elements. Our fire knife dancers, you know, are, are almost exclusively Polynesian guys. And there are cultural things that come with that. They, they are very tight knit amongst themselves and amongst the people that they, that they embrace and uh, sort of adopt, you know, right. and it's, it, it's a beautiful thing to see all these different disciplines coming together and just interacting a lot of times for the first time. And it's just, it, it, it's truly made it a family because there are days where you're tired of everybody and there are days you don't want to <laughs> deal with them. You know, right. it, it, absolutely that but you know the 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 fanfare starts we hit the curtain and we we go out there and knock it out man and it, it's, it's a lot of fun all right so so if you didn't have the set of pipes that you have uh would you want to be a tumble monkey a hyena or one of the birds yeah okay i'm going to say no to the birds immediately because i well maybe, no, maybe the male bird i could have to her but <laughs> <laughs> but I ain't <laughs> <laughs> um, Hashtag Tim ain't flying. <laughs> probably means the tumble monkey is out of <laughs> I mean, their, their name. The biggest guy is usually is named Kong. The biggest guy. So I could probably be a Kong, but even Kong has to get up on the uh, on the trapeze on the, the hanging trapeze. And I'm not about that life. So with fire knife twirling, I, I, I could do it. Cause they would, they, they would automatically want me to try. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. But if that was probably it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair that was a good question. <laughs> I don't think you mentioned this, your favorite song that you get to perform. Well, I, I mean, I really only sing Be Prepared. I'm a part of Circle of Life and then the Mega Mix. I, I, I would, 
it, so in answer to the long answer, the, the re actual response to the answer I gave a long time ago is it's the mega mix. In, in case you don't know it, that the finale we call the mega mix. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. It's been like the mega mix the since day one. Yeah, because it just kind of gets everybody integrated. Everybody gets Absolutely. involved. Your audience gets involved. Yes, you just heard this song just a few minutes ago, but we're not going to sing it. It's going to be faster and even more incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always get and you're going to dance. Yeah, I and te technically, that happens. technically, that is the celebration finale, according to the uh, the jewel case for my CD. Exactly. Mega mix. <laughs> All right, let me right, let me write that, cross that out here. <laughs> Make a note. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if you said celebration finale to a cast member of, of a folk cast member, they would kind of go, "Wait, you mean the mega mix?" <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys all, right, all hang out after like? You know, if you're not performing, do you all kind of, you know, hang out on a Saturday night if you're not working? I have I have friends in the cast who I who I hang out with, and I think everybody has. Uh, I guess, see, Dizzy is a little different than a lot of like most of my theater experience. You go to a place and you're there for six weeks or eight weeks or whatever, doing a rehearsal and then a performance schedule. But Dizzy, you're moved here for a year. Uh, under an equity contract and if you're one of the uh, character performers you move here and then you get placed in shows but you move here so you have a community that you build just like you would in any place that you move to and you have co-workers that you like and <laughs> co-workers that you don't like that you won't hang out with um, I think what happens with our show typically uh, uh, your schedule um, you depending on what your days off are and what time of day you like working and the other people who play your role, you end up maybe working with the same group of people uh, multiple times in the course of a week. And that lends you to building up relationships, uh, stronger yeah. relationships with those folks, just just by virtue of proximity. Um, like two of my, my closest buddies are one of the tumble monkeys and uh, one of the fire knife dancers. Uh, and we had a we had a stand. Uh, while I was there, we had a standing Thursday night because we were all working on Thursday nights, Thursday last shift, and we would get together after the Thursday, regardless of who had to work early in the morning on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately that was for the old man, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, our, our, our cast, our crew, our team, our team at, at Lion King, it looks, I, I don't even know that it looks easy. I kind of think for some people that it looks easy, but every single element of that show requires an intense amount of concentration and focus and hard work. And I think that when folks, I, like, here's an example. I was there, I was back and I was there for probably a year and a half. And one of our operations people came out back to the break area. And this is what she led with. So, um, so do you guys each, each of the singers, do you guys each have your own uh, track that you lip sync to or what? And I said, excuse me, what? <laughs> well, I know that, you know, you and one of the other guys, I know your voices are different, but, you know, I just assume that they make you guys record when that's what you, they, when you come in, they use yours. And I, I said, no, we, we all sing live. 
And she was astounded. And I was astounded that she was astounded. Um, <laughs> I think ultimately, I think that that's a credit to not only the performers, but our engineers for keeping our sound good. And there are days you don't come in sounding or feeling great. Um, there are days where it's especially humid in that space. Uh, there are days when the audience is not cooperative, whether it's too too large or too small or they're too loud. But the fact that someone who worked there, who was there all day for many days a week, for many weeks, thought that we were lip syncing to a pre-recorded track tells me how excellent the vocal work is in our show. We have sweetener tracks for the background vocals to support our sound, but the lead vocals and a lot of the tight harmonies that you hear is uh, when, look, if our mics are engaged, you better believe we're using them. <laughs> we're not allowed to lip sync. <laughs> I mean, I think the couple of times we've seen you, it's always been spot on. Yeah. You know, there's never been, you know, you guys are always right on point. Yeah, you guys uh, are really good. You know, ultimately, that's the gig, you know, being able to do that repeatedly. You know, many times a day, you know, that's, that's what makes this, that's what makes the job part of this work, you know, yeah. um, doing it is fine, you know, it's, it's exhausting and, but it's fun and, and, you know, all of us would love to do it any, anytime, but making sure that it's on point and it's as good as the first time we did it, you know, on our first day after we learned the show and we were excited to have an audience, making sure it's that tight our 100th performance in, our 200th performance in, our 500th performance, our 1,000th performance <laughs> on ad nauseum. That's why, you know, that's why it's a job. Yeah. Well, tw 20, 22 years later, it's a, it's a testament to, you know, everybody in the crew, you know, from the vocal talent to the dancers, to the sound guys, you know, to the, to the cast members who are greeting you at the door. You know, if, if it did not flow well, it wouldn't be here 22 years later. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, as, as beautiful and as wonderful as I've known that the show was from the moment we opened, I most certainly didn't expect that it would last this long. Um, not because I didn't think it was good enough. I'd seen some other shows that were open. I've seen some shows that are open that look tired sometimes. And I don't, I, I didn't want that to ever happen to that show. It meant something to me. It was a special show, and it and I I know it meant a lot to a whole lot of people. Um, I've uh, a lot of work and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into the creation of that show. So I'm glad that it's still there. I'm glad that the people involved in it are still uh, are are still taking care of it. I was so pleased to come back and see some of the traditions that we held in the beginning backstage being still continued on and among them is that we're one cast like yes there's an equity cast a union equity union cast and yes they're the character performers but we're all one space we're all in one we're sharing all sharing the same facilities we're all we're one group of people no one is above anybody else and that's the way it should be you know that's the way a show is you know yeah they're, my best memories are of the times that I was in theater and the, because there's, there's so much that goes on for a show that that cast becomes, like you said, their family. And then if you can bring joy to the people that are sitting in that audience, you know, you've done your job and you've done it well. 
Um, and it's something that can be celebrated through that whole cast, which is awesome. I'm going to tell you, you, the folks who come and catch this show when we reopen, they're going to get something special because they miss performing. Uh, I have been in a bunch of Zoom chats with cast members. I've been in Zoom chats with former cast members. I did one a couple weeks ago, a breakfast with a bunch of cast members from a lot of the uh, intermediate years since I'd been there. Uh, There's people whose name I'd heard or stories about folks I'd heard, and I finally got a chance to meet them online in a Zoom chat. And a bunch of folks put together (laughs) a a bunch of people doing the Mega Mix. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Now, that's, that's funny. Because I was just going to ask you, uh, you know, I don't know if how much you follow Disney, but the Voices from Home, which is part of Disney's Magic Moments, uh, we've seen the Dapper Dance from both coasts. We've seen the Voices of Liberty just uh, released uh, a clip. And is, is there any chance of you guys releasing a Voices from Home through the Disney Parks blog? To my knowledge, there. And again, I'm not there full time, so I'm sure I'm not even on that list of persons that they would get, get in contact with. I don't know that we're on that list. I don't know why we wouldn't be, but I don't know that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I may send uh, Bridget and Mark a clip of a uh, of a video that was put together of that mega mix, and it is quite literally people with homemade costumes doing their part of the mega mix from the puppeteers. Oh, that's to... awesome! I would love it. <laughs> and, and many, uh, a lot of. Uh, singers from the past, a couple from the present. It's it's pretty. I'm not in it, it's, uh, but it's awesome. And I, that's why I say when folks when folks when the audiences come back, they're going to get some really high energetic shows. They miss performing. Uh, that's why people. That's why the entertainers at Disney come to Disney to work. The the, the IP means something to us. Uh, uh, part of our growth and development as we've grown up. And that we get a chance to share that with other folks is especially awesome. Yeah, we're still holding out for July. I had a couple quick questions. I think they're quick for Tim. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I went at the mouth in case you had noticed. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, this it's has fine. been great. This has been fantastic. This is great. Um, <laughs> we never have, like, I mean, we're interesting, but we're not this interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think maybe we're all just happy to have somebody to talk to now. <laughs> yeah, this is like, <laughs> like another you. face. God, That's I why can't. we're doing the video. We never did the video before. And now since the quarantine, we're like all wanting a video. It's <laughs> human. It's like, it's like do you do video? And I was like, well, only if I've showered. <laughs> you never know. You never know on any given day what's going on. But I did shower for everybody. Just so I you showered know. for you. She showered for you, Tim. You I did. Have to for me. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to get all fancy for me. <laughs> I'm sure we get right now. <laughs> Hair's growing out. Uh, brunette. Oh, I'm so bad. Get brow wax. It's getting bad over here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Adam. Go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. That's all right. That's all right. So when when you're when you start the show, you have to pick out a, a a person to help lead the group. And do you are you looking for something specific when you pick? You know, because it's not always this kid. It's I've done it as a teenager. Sometimes it's you know an older person. 
Are you picking somebody specific? And also, is there a best seat in the house in the theater? I know it's kind of different because it's a theater in the round, so maybe there really isn't. But maybe there is, and we just don't know it. I, as far as the best seat in the house, I don't. I, it really depends on your taste. Ultimately, uh, I kind of feel like sitting on the front row. If I was there to see the show, I wouldn't want to sit on the front row just because everything is that. It's just so close, and there's so much happening. Your perspective of being able to see how beautifully choreographed and how beautiful the spectacle is is probably actually better the further back you go. I don't want to be too far back, you know. Uh, I don't want to be so deep in like the lion or the giraffe section, but somewhere in the middle of any of those sections, you get a chance to see the gorgeousness that is the way the the performers are weaving in amongst each other. And like, there's a lot of people out there. (laughs) Do you know how difficult it is to get that many people to sing and dance without running into each other constantly? (laughs) It's, It's pretty impressive. (laughs) Um, so that that so i would say it's your it's it's up to you but i i like i like to be somewhere in the middle of the section and i like seeing the show uh fairly often i i try to see it uh once every couple of months if if i'm not in the audience um i'll even go into the booth and watch it um i think it's important to, to watch our audience to to see our audience watch the show without the pressure of actually performing it at the same time, because I just kind of feel like you get a real sense of how the show is received. And I don't know that you get that when you're on stage because again, you're focused in on the performance and, you know, hitting your mark and making sure you hit that note and, you know, your move and all that. But when you're in the audience, you can just sit there and and hear a kid go, Oh, oh did you see that? Or, you know, this, or like those moments. And, and that's what I love about the the, the surprise that uh, the guests get when they uh, get a chance to see that. I mean, just the virtue of the fact that, you know, the, the curtain opens and four people walk out in the beginning of that show. And you have no idea what's about to happen if you haven't seen that show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. you wouldn't. You you might not ever expect that if you had just seen two, four, you know, four people walk through a curtain. Yeah, no, it's going to get because it gets business, really you know? crazy towards the end. Oh, I mean, all this absolutely. different stuff's going on constantly, and you don't expect it. I remember the first time I saw it, I was, I was really surprised. I, I was really surprised, and that's why we we go once every time we go to Animal Kingdom, we have to see the Lion King show. And I'm convinced you're going to follow a track, like a specific track, or or, or focus in on an area, and you're going to see. Like one of the things that a lot of people don't even realize is that. Our our section our our real section leaders the giraffe the elephant Pumbaa and our, of course the Lion King himself Simba they sing along in many of the group numbers and uh, I and my mom who has watched <laughs> probably hundreds of of versions of our show including a bunch that I'm not in <laughs> on YouTube <laughs> yeah about a year after I came back she said oh my goodness. I, I couldn't believe it. The giraffe was singing too. I'm like, yeah, mom. <laughs> but, like, when did they start doing? It? I'm like, always. <laughs> so, like the big floats that come out—that's what you're talking about. Like the big floats. Yeah. yeah, I noticed that the last time I went, and I had never noticed it before. And I was oh, like, yeah. whoa! But I happen they, to be they, sitting they, close. And to they one. have a choreography themselves. 
Yeah, it was really cool. I usually sit like three rows back. So I'm usually pretty close to the front. Um, so I don't know. I've never sat further back. So I might try it next time. I think when you I have a theater in the round like that, sitting further back, like you were saying, you can kind of take it all in. Where, yeah. you like, you know, if you're right on top, it's fun to be on top because then the kids get to, you know, jump in. But at right. the same time... Uh -huh. So for yeah. the second part of your question, as far as whether uh, where what are we looking for? If we, are we looking for something specific? Um, each section, uh, the singer who's in charge of taking that section, uh, we're very specifically scripted to select a a type. I'll say, and I don't want to get so specific that you know we get people showing up at the theater like looking like they are out of the sketchbook for what we're looking for <laughs> you know because a part of it is the spontaneity that's what is the energy of our show like uh, i'll say for the QMA section i know it's scripted that we pick a man see and i get the i have but not every QMA picks a man uh sometimes it's about availability accessibility um, sometimes we have wheelchairs and you know, strollers and things like that in the way you can't really get. Sometimes it's a, if we're supposed to be picking a, a male, sometimes there are no men in the front four rows of a, of a performance. Or every man has a bunch of kids or, uh, you know, their hands full with, you know, like literally holding a child or something like that. So we have some, some ability to, you know, kind of wing it and like, I just, I always just want to pick somebody who looks like they are, aren't afraid of being engaged because there's nothing worse than forced fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I hate yeah. that. Like as a performer, I'm a performer and I hate forced fun. So I don't <laughs> anybody. I'm not, not above, I'm not above making a guy, like if I ask a guy, I, I want them to know that they're safe. And I, I'm always like, look, we're gonna take care of you, man. And, and what I love about picking a man is I love to pick a, a father because in general, a father's experience at Disney World is a little bit different from everybody else's experience. <laughs> and recognizing that, I realize that when they, if if I pick the right dad who's having a really rough day, but who's still willing to try to have a little bit of fun, his kids are only going to remember that. Like, mm. that is going to be a highlight of their trip. And I want them to have that moment. Oh. Um, I appreciate that, you know, there are, uh, and I have guys and, and kids and parents love forcing, they're trying to force their kids to be the, uh, the elephant volunteer. But I'm like, again, everything here is about them. But let me give this dad an opportunity to be a superhero because their kids are always going to remember that. When I came back, one of my friends from uh, from college, or before I met you, Mark, oh, said wow. that her kids, I know, right? <laughs> her, her kids had been playing Festival of the Lion King for like two years after they saw the show. That they had literally been doing performances of the show in their backyard and like doing stuff. And like she'd been designing cakes and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that featured elements of our show. And and. I was like, man, this is pretty awesome that we have something like that. But I, I, I definitely wanted dad to feel like you're, you're in this too. And this is about you. And I figure if I have to pick a guy and I'm the Mr. Masculine and strong guy, then 
that's my board. You're my bestie for the rest for the first half for this half hour. So now I highly recommend that if you may ask you, and this is for all your listeners, if you may ask you to help him, just say yes. Like truly, he's just trying to help you. he's not going to try to embarrass you that's not what this is you know and you'd be surprised how many people go no no take the kid you know i'm like why are you gonna come to disney and not try to have a little bit of fun like just a little exactly yeah (laughs) and again i chose you you know this is what i didn't ask you know you didn't have to beg for this opportunity I'm giving you an opportunity to be a superstar right now. It's going to be me, you, and the microphone. Let's do this. You know? Oh, I love that. But if, I, but, if, but if a dad ever says no to me, I always find the littlest, cutest girl I can find. And I get her to do it. Nice. <laughs> and then, and then, I look, then I give the dad a side eye. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any you know, unfortunate incident, accident from one of your shows that you can recall that you could talk about that happened, whether it be, you know, maybe serious or funny in the end, or I'm sure nobody got hurt. We don't want anybody to get hurt. I was thinking about this. Like we have, we, because like I said, the, it requires everything, every element in our show requires special skills. And I think that because they usually are executed so well, most people don't realize how dangerous they are um the the fire act insanely dangerous you know uh the aerial act again dangerous the tumble monkeys again dangerous i when i first got back within a month we lost the tumble monkey in performance and it's heartbreaking um like like i said these are your friends uh they're not just co-workers in that environment they're your friends and um when it's a performer and it's a serious injury, you know this may mean that they may not get a chance to perform again. And that's heartbreaking. And um, having witnessed that moment, those are probably the hardest moments. And it happens, it's occasional, it doesn't happen frequently. We're, we've been really blessed uh, that you know every uh, effort is done to make this as safe for everyone who's involved in the show and everybody who's watching the show. So that's not a thing. Um, and But every once in a while, yes, even, non-lethal yet kind of weird things happen accidents happen i had to dodge a fire knife one night uh one, oh, one day in performance. um and it, there's a there's a there's that moment where like i i felt i had my back to the fire knife dancer and i thought i felt something against the back of my cape where nothing should be touching the back of my cape and so I turned around and he was empty handed and running towards me, <laughs> which is when I realized the iron knife was at the base, at the base of my cape. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. Uh, now I, I have earpieces in, so I can't really have a conversation. And I was literally in the middle of the song. So I, I don't, I, I just looked to uh, one of our technicians, the closest one. And I said, am I on fire? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody asks that every now and then, right? Fair question, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, this particular uh, technician was so surprised that their eyes were the size of saucers. And I was, I just assumed that meant that I was, yes, indeed on fire. So, Mark, you're a man of a certain age. What do you do if you think you're on fire? You stop, drop, and roll, man. Roll. 
Yeah, you know it, baby. Exactly. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll, and just say no. So, <laughs> <laughs> I believe that was uh, Disney alum Dick Van Dyke who used to do the Stop, Drop, and Roll stuff from the 70s. That's right. Oh. Uh, Didn't Bill Cosby do it for a little while, though? In the 80s? I don't, I don't think so. Oh, he did something. Now, now I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, look that up. I thought he did. Look, I don't know. Because Tony I'm, with I'm, the obscure ref- references. I, I am a man of a certain age, a little more than Mark. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, Dick Van Dyke. He was a. Uh, he did. Uh, he did. Like, I think a series of them. I think especially for Saturday morning. It might have been the. Uh, was it the Schoolhouse Rock? Bringing well, it back. Finish this. Well, what happened? Yeah, it's like. So when you're here, the eyes, got, the eyes got big. I dropped to the ground. I rolled around. Turns out I wasn't on fire, but <laughs> I, I managed to stand up just in time to continue the song because it was in the music break, of course, when this happened. Uh, so I got up. Uh, unfortunately, my hat <laughs> was dangling by my neck around my <laughs> like a feedback. <laughs> <around my neck. laughs> I have a jingle stick in one hand. I have a microphone in the other hand. So I did one of those, like, like, like I was trying, like, you know, ever seen a person use a hula hoop around their neck? That move. (laughs) (laughs) That move to see if I could flick it up on my head. Of course, to no, to no amount of success at all. (laughs) I did it with, you know. with the QMA feedback around my around my my jet, but I finished the show. I finished the song. I didn't that, miss a note. That's just an image that I have in my head now. That was just, I don't know what I would have done. The show must go on. The show must go hey, on. I mean, any I any it. any show where you end up having to say, "Hey, am I on fire?" is I, I think is is notable. <laughs> yeah, that's serious. That, of course, made me recognize that any show you can walk away from. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wow. Do you have, like, a makeup person? Do you have to wear stage makeup every performance? I'm fortunate that I do not have to. Um, I think the men in our show, actually, Nakawa and Kiyume, the two singers, are probably the only two who don't have makeup have a set makeup uh that they're they're doing the the girl the female singers and almost all the other performers have a very specific makeup that they yeah. are responsible for for you know putting on before they do their show um i am very as i said very fortunate that i don't and i'm especially fortunate because as i said i am a sweater oh. <laughs> so it <laughs> wouldn't be there very long anyway that uh, stuff is thick too it's so cakey and yeah so you don't have to, but you want to. <laughs> Look at his face. Okay. I think Tony does. <laughs> Tony wants to wear stage I, I wear, I wear, I wear a leather skirt, a cape, and a headdress. I think that's quite enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the leather but really? skirt. I forgot about that. That's yeah. true. I just focus on like the. You have such an elaborate like chest piece and like the head helmet thing and just a note on those costumes they're beautiful and they are all handmade they are 
gorgeous. They hand beaded every single bead on those things are hand sewed. It's the the cape is silk and hand painted. It's just it's gorgeous and it's a blessing. As I said, I look Mark Mark knows most guys they don't they don't build costumes for men in theater. Usually they go find a suit from some storage facility right. somewhere and they, they they fit it to you and then shove you out on stage. Every girl and every in every show it's a dress built for them. Every single show they do. Um, but for men it's a different experience. But this is the first show that I had a, a costume that was built for me and it's incredible. If I had wow. to wait, it's the way to this is the way to have it done. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful costume. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, uh, it's their Broadway. I mean, it's Broadway caliber. It's, I mean, I, it, Liza and Tony and I have all been planning travel and doing Disney travel for several years. And I, we, I have yet to have anybody say that they didn't love that show. So it's always one of my top recommendations. When anyone asks what they should do at Animal Kingdom, number one is always to see Lion King. It's always a fast pass attraction for me. Me too. I always tell my guests to fast pass it. It's well worth it. Um, you know, hands down, my favorite show on on property. Um, you know, especially now that Tarzan's gone and the BMX bikes went with them. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, that's the other thing is is the show is it's 22 years old, but they wrote it and it's almost timeless. You know, you look at something like Tarzan that opened in what 99. And they had that BMX bike element and, and something like that goes so stale so quickly. Whereas, you know, it, you've got tumble monkeys, you've got a fire twirler, you've got dancing, you've got great voices. There's nothing that's not contemporary. You know, it, they're all just timeless elements that this show could go on for another 25 years. Yeah, I hope music. it does. It's one of those. It's, it's been really beautiful that we have legacies in our show now. We have young people who are in this show who saw their parents do this show. And that is just astounding to me. And um, for, like I said, a lot of like serious blood, sweat and tears went into the creation and the evolution of this, uh, this, of this, I call it vehicle. This is this wonderful show. And it has meant so much for so many people who, and just the, the formative, formative, uh, relationships for people as they begin their career. Uh, we're so happy. Like in the last year, um, we've had people who come in for, you know, maybe a year contract or, you know, just for a short time, but we get an opportunity elsewhere. We, one of our uh, Khabibis was in, ended up moving to New York and ended up in the Bronx tale almost immediately after she got there. Another one of our Nakawas is a, was one of the, uh, uh, genies uh, for Aladdin. Oh, uh, that's awesome! Just, you know, like the the skill set that this show provides an opportunity for people to develop and just work on the 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 discipline is probably the biggest part um, for a young performer. And this gives that, that them an opportunity to get in here to learn how to do this stuff. Um, to do it at a high level consistently. And then when you go to New York, you're not a surprise. You're not scared um, because you feel good. I, I tell you what, after I finish my, con as I'm 
I just, you never feel sharper as a performer than after you've done a bunch of performances as Disney because you, you're, you're put through it in order to get it to a point where it works well for every, you know, for them. So, and we're really, I'm really proud of the show. I'm so happy that it's continued. I am glad to have been a part of it before. I'm proud to have been asked to come back and thankful that, you know, there was a place for me. Um, and I'm glad I get a chance to visit it still, you know. In theory, Kiyomi doesn't age out. If I can physically do the show. That's right. true. You know? That's the issue it. So, we'll see. That means we'll we can hang out with you every time we're in Florida. That's right. Yeah, yeah Zawadi. Really Zawadi. Zawadi's aging out. Kiyomi, no. No. Never. So, so, look, they will take a great Zawadi to the grave for sure. <laughs> <laughs> When you find a good Zawadi, you hold on to a good Zawadi. <laughs> right. Uh, th- those are words to live by. Yes. Um, <laughs> are we are we good? Should I can I close things out here? Tim, I just want to thank you for coming on. And um, I'm not saying this because you're on the show, but I've said it in other shows. This is probably my favorite show on property, and it's Broadway caliber. It's amazing that this show is quote unquote free. For people going there, like they should be charging extra for this. Adam, um, That's very sweet. Thank you. And um, that's and you coming. Should, Adam. Uh, you should. You um, should. Oh. Tim, you definitely, you definitely need to go to see Lion King on Broadway because that is. Uh, you get. I get goosebumps when they come in with the puppets of the elephants. Spoiler alert: They're not real elephants; they're puppets. And um, that's a great show. And uh, I mean, it's just. Anytime, like I've, I've come with friends, with family to Lion King, a uh, festival of Lion King, and they all say this is like this is just like being on Broadway. It's unbelievable. So you got you and everybody else do a fantastic job on that, and and you could tell from talking with you for this hour and a half how you know proud you are of your work and your craft. It's really you know, inspiring, and and uh, hopefully if there's somebody out there listening that is you know, interested in the performing arts and such. I hope you, you know, this really inspires you to continue to do your work and, you know, who knows how far you could get with that. So thanks a lot, Tim, for coming on. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. It's always great to share with people a little bit about the magic that happens. It's not just magic. A lot of it is hard work and we're really happy to do it because we love what we do and we love that people appreciate it. So uh, I'm very happy to join you guys today. Also, be nice to the cast members who work at the resorts. Please be nice to these people. All right? They are there. Just, they want you to be happy. Believe me. And we know the vacation times are difficult, but be nice to the people who work there. Believe me, they want nothing more than for your vacation to be incredible and awesome and memorable. Nobody works at Disney who doesn't want that for you. Believe me, okay? A hundred percent. People well work said. at Disney because they love it. I, I do believe yeah. that. I miss it. Well well said, Tim. And, and I don't think I could have given a better thank you than Adam had. So, uh, so, I, so I won't even try. I'd like to remind everyone that, as always, our podcast is sponsored by Main Street and More Travel. Check out their website, MainStreetAndMoreTravel.com. Request a quote and let Chris connect you with the right agent for your travel needs. You can find us on Facebook in the Mouse and Worm podcast group. We have our Twitter and Instagram accounts. On behalf of Liza, Bridget, Mark, and Adam, and our very special guest, Tim Kane, who you can find on his Facebook fan page, 
It's uh, T-I-M-C-A-I-N. I'm Tony, and we are the Mouse and More Podcast. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.